hello, welcome to. <laughs> yeah, I just. Uh... Do it again, Rich. Go on. Uh, hello, welcome to Shaken Not Stirred. It was going to be Do Ask Do Tell. That was what it was going to be. <laughs> hey, maybe it should be. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shaken Not Stirred. Live and Let Die. From 1973, directed by Guy Hamilton, and the first Roger Moore James Bond film. The first time there was going to be a new James Bond, and it stuck. <laughs> so let's let's dive into this one. Let's. I mean, I I don't know how many times I've seen this one over the years, but wow, it's a lot of times. Me too. It seems to be the the one of choice that uh, that they show on, on at Christmas or or Easter or something. I don't know why that is. I don't know either because it's it's quite. Um, as as you were saying, black exploitation. It is. It has those. It's well, basically the first half an hour. Yeah, but after that, is this right? It's like think... following a cue ball. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. I do you know what though. I I didn't normally. I would sit down and, and write write down these. Uh, these quotes all the way through but i went do you know what i'm just gonna enjoy this one because it is the one i've probably seen the most times i think out of every bond film i've probably seen this one the most i wouldn't care to guess which one i've seen the most actually that's that's a big undertaking but i but i wouldn't say through choice i think just through happenstance this is the one i've seen the most it's just always that well i'm gonna click play on it now all right that's fine. And I'm hoping this works because I'm streaming it off Google Drive. Which kind of gives away that I technically... No, I'm, I have the right to move my media from yeah. one format yeah, to that's another. Fine. That's all I've done here. Now, I've got written down first thing. Uh, they've added some funk to the music. Oh, yeah. This this is when... And I hate that they did this. Yeah. Um, they started trying to make the music. And it, go, it happens in other Roger Moore ones. Uh, where they try and make the music a bit more sort of current. Yeah. And a bit less orchestral. And the trouble with that is it works great perhaps for the year that the film comes out. Yeah. But here we are 30 years later and it sounds crappy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's the, the orchestral score gives your film a much more timeless quality. It does. Uh, and I, I wouldn't use sort of music related in any way to popular culture unless I was trying to uh, put you in a... God, what's the right way of putting it? It was when they took... I heard somebody talking about the soundtrack to Forrest Gump because that is a mix of orchestral music that's original to the film and popular soundtrack of the day. And they yeah. used the score to set the mood and the, the soundtrack to set the time and the place. Yeah, a bit like it's almost a bit like Back to the Future as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so they've broken that rule by making the score of Live and Let Die funky. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's that's a problem. If anything, the hairdos set it back <laughs> in place. Now I've got it. Start. It opens at the UN where they're having some boring meeting. Yes, right. The the British guy is just being killed because you can kill somebody with an ear with a red cable. Yeah, that's the only difference. It, blowing air down a red cable. It looks like I don't know what it is. It's it's all bullshit. It's very very weird. 
Yeah, and now I'm in New Orleans. New Orleans, but this, I love this scene with the the street funeral, and uh, they're like, "Oh, whose funeral is it? Uh, it's yours." And then they kill him, and then it's like the open bottom coffin, isn't it? Yeah. What what an ornate way of murdering someone. Yeah. What? Why not just wait till he's alone in his hotel room at night, break in and smash his head in? No, let's get sixty people together and a band and have a street parade, and do it there. What I love about this as well is that everyone's dressed in black until the point where they've killed him and put him in the coffin, and then they have a street party. Well, that's how it goes. It's amazing. That, have, you, have you seen Treme? No, I haven't. It's brilliant. From the makers of The Wire. Yeah. And it's, you know, they have lots of street funerals in that. And it's the only thing I've ever seen where I thought, you know what, I could, if that was how my funeral went, I'd be cool with that. Because it's, it's more about a celebration of the life of the person rather than yeah, the morning of the death. It's a much more positive sort of funeral thing. It's really cool. Uh, and so, yeah, they start out with the morning bit, which is slow and sad and dreary, and then it fucks that off, so to speak. Yeah. And then we have the party. So in that sense, it's quite traditional, but bizarre that they use it as a way of murdering someone when you could just have someone stab him on the street and nick his wallet and run off yeah yeah but no 60 people at a party that's what we need costumes and And then the yeah (laughs) and then and then we cut to uh san monique an island in the caribbean because that needs explaining i didn't know where it was does does it matter no i suppose not it's all very caribbean-y if you don't like snakes, don't watch this film. Yeah, they, there's lots of snakes in this film. Of course. Now, I find this this guy's pretty creepy. Who, the, the, the one tied... The, no, the, the one with the goat on his head. The goat head man. Yeah. I've lost my page. Let me bring up... What's his name? It's Papa something. Wasn't he a character in the GoldenEye computer game? Baron Samady. Yeah, he was. He was, absolutely. And it's creepy, and that's a real snake. And the dude who they've got tied to the post, you know when he passes out? Yeah. That's because he passed out. That is not acting. That is not anything. Is that, is yeah. that true? Yeah. As far as I know. That's what, brilliant. That's what I heard. It's, it's it's like, yeah, the actual acting of the scene shat him up so much he passed out, and it happened to be at just the right bit, so they left it in. That's why, brilliant. Why not? I'd have done that. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, but we've had it. We're now at the opening credits, and we've had a whole opening sequence with no James Bond whatsoever. But I think that was by design. Well, it isn't technically the whole film by design, unless it's you know. <laughs> I know, but it's not. <laughs> It's not following the formula by design is what I'm getting at because it's it's Roger Moore. It's the new James Bond. They don't want to sort of give it away too soon, I suppose. I think historically they do like to play with the audience when there's a changeover of James Bond. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you when I think to the... the there's a lot happens in the living daylights before we get a shot of uh, Timothy Dalton. That's and true. they kind of play with you that he, he's not James Bond, that it's someone else we've seen a lot more of in the preceding minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't, rem- can't remember what they did with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, I don't know. Oh, he, it's the bungee jump, isn't it? 
And yeah, you get of course the, it is. Yeah, yeah, that whole yeah, that was, that, that was sort of a, a bit of a reboot, though, wasn't it? So they they kind of did away with traditional stuff, and they're yeah. like, right, this is the new Bond. Get over it. It's happening. This opening credit sequence is appalling, by the way. It's terrible, isn't it? But it does say introducing Jane Seymour. Bless her. So this is the, this is her first role, then I guess. Yeah, she might be one of my favourites. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to as we enter into Roger Moore. We, we're going to sorry, as we enter into the Roger Moore period of James Bond films, uh, we'll we'll start to notice that I, I I do appreciate the Bond girls on a bit more of a. Creepy level, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Not at all. Uh, Roger Moore looks young in this film, doesn't he? Well, he is. Um, but I, I think he was just always older than we think he is. And he well, just, was... when you when you compare this to sort of the last Bond films he does, yeah, he's so young in this one. I, I think with Roger Moore, he wanted to stop a lot longer, a, a, a lot more before he did. You reckon? Um, yeah, once you get into sort of his last three or four, uh, the, the, and you watch the documentaries, most of them have the story of, and Roger felt he was too old for the part, but we got a big truckload full of money and drove it up to his house and went, there you go, will that do? <laughs> and so they've all got that story. So you're like, yeah, I think he wanted to give up at like, you know, at least two or three movies before they happily let him. Yeah. Because anyone would be in a film doing anything if you drive a big enough truck of money up to their house. Um, anyway, we're away. We'd yeah, so j- we're, in, we're in Bond's house, which is is pretty nice, actually. Well, um, one would expect so. Hey, I imagine he's quite so. well paid. And uh, M turns up, but he's he's got a, a, a girl there. Well, she's not just a girl. She's the missing hey. French agent. That's yes. kind yeah, of that's the joke. Right. Yeah. He's he's come to find out when that that young French girl who was your partner on the last trip she's gone missing. Any <laughs> ideas? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should. You should yeah. Would, would you like a coffee? He kind of distracts him, doesn't he? Would you like a coffee? He makes and, uh, such a mess of making <laughs> the fucking coffee. It's brilliant though, because uh, is it M that says? Um, all of that just for frothing milk. Is that all it does? Is that all it does? Uh, yeah. And you're like, you think about what we have today. We've we've got these machines now, haven't we? We all want one in our house for just for frothing milk. Yeah. We have one downstairs. Yeah. To say it only froths milk, it was an alarming amount of money. Actually, no, it does. It makes the whole coffee thing, but yeah, yeah, we've had. A, it's it's actually a really nice one that he's got. It's a nice hand press thing. They're hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pounds. We don't have one of those. But he's got, you watch, he gets it everywhere. <laughs> it's really bad. It's The sauce is just covered in coffee. It's like, I won't want that. Get me a clean one. Is it, I'm, just, I'm going frame by frame now. Yeah, he gets it everywhere. <laughs> he does as well. <laughs> I, I, when I make coffee, it might not be that fancy, but it's all in the damn mug. And I love these little cockerel cake tins he's got hanging on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, because he, he froths it afterwards. Yeah, it makes no sense. He actually Jeez. makes the coffee incorrectly. You're supposed <laughs> to steam the milk first, and then depending on what kind of coffee you're making, you either add the espresso to it or add it to the espresso. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know what coffee that is he's made. 
it not looks a, really watery as yeah, well. It's not a cappuccino, it's not a latte. I, I don't know what that is. See, the funny thing is as well that when M turns around <sighs> to walk away, it's suddenly a black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Continuity, guys, come on. Excellent. But I anyway. do love his monogrammed bathrobe. I think yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. He's getting his really awesome watch with the cool magnet on it. Yeah. The watch is brilliant. I love this particular iteration of the James Bond watch. Yeah. Particular, the sort of the chainsaw <laughs> attachment that he will use to escape at the end. Yeah. Uh, very, very strange. Yeah. And it, it, we also learn here that Moneypenny is more than willing to cover up for him shagging missing French spies. Yeah. Even though she's been really nosy around his house. Yeah, I never noticed that. She is just going around looking at all this stuff, isn't she? I'd at least have one eye on her as she was walking around. It's a bit strange seeing the same money penny with the new James Bond, younger James Bond. Yeah, this is where it began to get odd. Yeah. I... Because I, she's like 20 years older than him. Yeah. Clearly. Actually, I, I don't know that. We're going to have to... I'm going I'm to check this. So, Roger Moore was born in... Come on, internet. 1927. Gosh, he's very old now, isn't he? And Lois Maxwell was born in 1927. They are exactly the, the same, same age. age. Wow. He obviously had a bigger makeup budget. Yeah. Well, he was a model, wasn't he? Before he became an actor. Was he? Yeah. He was a, he was a model, then he was Simon Templar the Saint, and then he was uh, James Bond. Okay. And, uh, yeah, because the, the, the eyebrow raise actually comes from the saint. And yes. they, you, you have to notice they go to great lengths. It must never happen in these first few James Bond films. Yeah. It was a stated law that he is not Simon Templar, he's James Bond. The eyebrow raise will not happen. It does eventually sneak back in. I think, yeah. especially once you hit Octopussy. <laughs> but you know for these first few no there is a clear divide between the two characters and it's very important um i don't know much about the saint to be perfectly honest i don't except that there was a a remake with val kilmer i did watch that film when it came I, out i didn't hate it i don't remember anything about it other than it showcased the nokia 9000 communicator phone <laughs> true that's uh, in the, in the same way that this film showcases Pan Am quite significantly. Yeah, they were still a thing back in 1973. Pan American Airlines. So you get in the taxi that has the same number plate as your baggage number. <laughs> and, uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I just assumed that was like a spy thing. I, I think it is. I think it is. That's, yeah, because the, the car's got a, a special phone. And he can talk to Felix Leiter and everything. How different these films would have to be now when you you just look at the changes in technology. It's quite amazing. Yeah. And and the, some of them couldn't happen now because you just, oh, I'll just get my mobile out. I'll, I'll call home, whatever. Yeah. Um, isn't something bad going to happen to his driver? It's time yeah, for some James the, Bond action here. The, the pimp mobile turns up. Was this ever a thing? Like, I, I know, like, the whole P 
pimp thing with the big car and the hat with the feather and the cane and all this stuff that we're going to see in this film. Was there ever a point where you could go to an area of New York and see all that taking place and happening and see people dressed like that? Because I feel like it should only ever have been in films. I don't know, but the one thing that was pointed out with this car scene uh, by Shell was all the cars are the same car except for a Cadillac. So uh, all of them <laughs> the same car. Hey, you're right, so, you know. Except a couple of Cadillacs. So I assume they were all, it was all sponsored by Chevrolet, I think they are. They are, they're all Chev- Chevys. God, they are all the same damn car, painted different colours. Yeah. Even the one he's in. Yeah. Wow. And, dude, just turn the ignition off. I don't know why he's, you know. <laughs> I, I understand yeah. you can't reach the brake. Just turn the ignition off at this point and let the car roll to a stop. Because it's got to be better than leaving the engine on with his foot on the accelerator. Straight away and he's crashing into shit. Yeah. Terrible. This is the Englishman abroad. This is why we have that reputation, you know. On the way to the hotel from the airport. Terrible. And what awful security. Yeah. They know he's coming. Whoever they are at this point. Mental. There's a bit of a lull now. Yeah, we go into an embassy for Sam Monique. And uh, he starts playing a tape recorder of a speech to his staff. And then uh, Solitaire goes and starts to strip off and get changed. Fun fact, Yafet Kotto was going to be Captain Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, what? um, the... The bad guy. Wow. Right up until the last minute. Captain okay. Picard. Yeah. That would have been completely different. It wouldn't it just <laughs> wouldn't it just. Um but they no, they saved the, the black captain for Deep Space Nine. Yeah. But it was it was gonna happen, apparently. I don't know why it didn't in the end, but Because Patrick, Patrick Stewart's Stewart. much better, that's why. He's just awesome. That's yeah, that works for me. Um so, yeah. Oh, here we go. I think you're a little ahead of me. What? How many minutes in Possibly. are you? I don't know. I'm kind of fast-forwarding back and forward. All right. So yeah. I'm now at uh, 17 minutes 40-ish. All right, you're a minute ahead. Bear with me. Oh, I don't have that level of control. I'm, like I say, I'm watching it on a YouTube-type interface. I just have to leave it playing. They're getting changed into their pimp gear. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's important to get comfy at the end of the day. Still, I just don't believe this happened. I'm, I need to do a search. Let's see. 1970s New York fashions. That must... There we go. I have images. Right. Let's see if there are any pictures of people dressed. Not a one. <laughs> Not a one. Just lots of people dressed like the 70s. Uh... Yeah, I think this might be bullshit. Just thinking. Anyway, he's gone into this small shop for me now. He's going to yeah, buy the, vo- the voodoo store. Yeah, he's going to buy a fake snake, isn't he? I think I think he does, or, or something like that. 
but he's he's kind of investigating the the whole voodoo scene to see what's going on. And this is where we see the guy who was driving the pimpmobile, and who's he's one of my favorite bad guys because he's like a big guy who sort of lopes around but speaks in a whisper. That's his name, isn't it? Is it a whisper? Is it? He's called Whisper. Yeah. I try my search. New York, 1970s New York pimp fashion. Let's see what that reveals. Nothing. This is all bullshit, I'm telling you. Of course it is. No one ever really dressed like that. No one ever really drove those cars. This is this has warped my view of the black community. <laughs> this, is, this has had a negative <laughs> impact on my life. And me as a person. And has formed false prejudices in my mind. I feel I feel insulted now. And I, I feel I owe the black community of 1970s New York an apology. Okay. Sorry, guys. There you go. Different strokes was a much more accurate depiction, clearly. Yep. God. Do like Jane Seymour, though. She's very nice looking in this film. And she's aged well, you know. Has she? She has. Let me do a quick Google. <laughs> I'm also doing that now. Never watched any Dr. Quinn medicine. Oh, of course. Before. I'm pretty sure I've met her. Really? Yeah. Oh, now I'm quite jealous. I'd probably be too shy to say anything, though. Still very much working. Three movies in post-production for 2015. Good. But she's never stopped working. She's just not been in anything I'd ever watch apart from this film. Oh, Smallville. No. Oh, does she, she's... Somewhat naked in a... I think you might see at the top of a bottom or something. Yeah. I feel, I feel quite creepy now. Anyway. Yeah. Um... In actual fact, I would go as far as to say she has definitely not been a victim of the Bond girl curse. No. Because generally they never work again. But the strange thing is, though, that there are a few Bond girls who have been fine. So Hmm. the curse is kind of a bit... I think if you're going to start as a Bond girl, you're in a much worse position. I think if you were sort of famous in your own right beforehand, like, it didn't yeah. hurt Terry Hatcher. But we no. all knew who she was before she was in the Bond film. Yeah. And, a, and a, you know, a couple of other people like that. Britt Eklund, Ursula Andress, that sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, if you're going to start off in a Bond film, then you're not... That's, you're going to finish in a Bond film, it seems. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Uh so anyway, yes, shit happens in the voodoo store um, and Bond gets in a cab to chase the people. Well, not chase, but follow the people who he discovered are bad guys or thinks are bad guys. To the Philae of Soul Club. Yeah. Where all the pimps go with their there's a lot of um, In this film, I've noticed there's a lot of things like reflections of the crew in windows. Are there really? Yeah. And we have to have, there's the black FBI guy or whatever looking after him because everybody has to be black. Otherwise yeah. Otherwise they see you. And he goes dressed in like a man from Oxford. 
<laughs> and everything goes quiet. Wow, there's some spectacular outfits going on in this bar. There is, isn't there? There really are. And and now that we know they're all made up, it's... God, that that's worse. That kind of makes this like the cantina scene from Star Wars. <laughs> Doesn't it? But I love, so much, I love so... the, uh, the, the... Would the waiter really have worn a bow tie and red velvet jacket? On on in most Eisley, yeah, it's it's all bizarre. <laughs> most Eisley. I mean, because none of this none of this culture existed, so they've made it up. So it, it's as it's as real as Star Wars. Yeah, but fair it, point. but anyway, he's discovered that doors are just too shit for these guys, and they have a revolving table in the wall. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> oh, and why? That, that sort of that sort of theme comes up again later, doesn't it? Yeah, with the, with the trap doors or whatever. They're into that sort of thing. My question for them is that uh, with this bit is why did you make the revolving wall bit the bit where you've put the menu with the prices on? Because then you're going to have to change it twice on both sides. <laughs> Just leave that wall blank or something. Or you know, don't put the prices on the wall. Although, hang on, French fried potatoes, thirty-five cents. Pizza roll, 40 cents. Cheeseburger for a large is 80 cents. That's not bad. It's cheaper Pretty than good. Finland. Um, Jane Seymour's looking lovely here. She spent seven hours on that hairdo. Because yep. it's, it's huge. There's no way she's just done that. <laughs> Sorry. And we get to meet uh, Claw Hand Man. Claw Hand Man, who's another... Uh, famous bad guy, I would say. Oh, yeah. And because he has a claw hand, he has the physical strength to bend the barrel of a gun. Yeah, of course. Again, of things that never occurred to me. My favourite thing about Claw Hand Man is that they're not even trying to hide the fact he's holding that claw with a hand underneath. Well, what can you do? (laughs) What can they do? There's no light special effects. The wrist is still there. Yeah. you may as well see his thumb pop out at some point. It's just so obvious. I don't I don't know. Now we're going to find out something like he actually was missing a hand. No, it's it is terrible, isn't it? Oh, so much eye makeup, Jane Seymour. So much. And then we get scary man again. Yeah, who's this Mac Daddy? <laughs> Now th- this is actually the first time we've seen there's there's like a masked version. Yeah. And a non-masked version. Yeah. And I've never really been able to I, when he pulls the mask off it's kind of always felt like when Doc Brown pulls the mask off at the beginning of Back to the Future 2 where the joke is that he looks absolutely no different yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And he pulls this mask and I'm like it's the same dude. Yeah. You could that mask did nothing. At all. What was the point of the mask? Other than to do the scary thing where you suddenly pull your nose off. Which I remember being quite disturbed by as a child. Yeah, I... Yeah. That, why was I watching this as a child? Oh, I don't know. This is... The the Bond films are the, the blip in my early childhood of movie watching. My parents were always quite strict when it came to what content they let me watch. Yeah. But for some reason... I, I don't ever remember there being a problem with James Bond films. I think all Bond films were like PG rated, though, I'm sure. Yeah, I think there's there's no... You, you generally don't get gore. 
No. I, I can't think of a case of gore. Um, so it's, I, I think that's the sort of thing that makes it acceptable. People get shot, but they don't bleed. That's true. Including the guy in the car just a minute ago. Yeah. Because I was actually reading something the other day. That That's how you get Wolverine movies as sort of PG, PG-13. Because although they're ultra-violent and he slashes a lot of people, there's no actual gore. There's no blood everywhere. Ah, okay. Um, and, and that's because that's the, the defining factor of it all, which kind of, I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know. But anyway, he's being rescued from being shot outside because... What a wicked back alley that is. It is a good one, it's isn't like it? It's like Berlin circa 1945. It wouldn't surprise me if it was actually around the corner from your office and nowhere <laughs> near New York. No, no, it's, it's definitely not. It's definitely New York, I think. Right. It's a good one, though. It is a it good is back a good alley because large sections of New York apparently look like they'd been bombed in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. It really does look like that, though. I mean, there's just rubble everywhere. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think it must have been the site of a demolition or something. I hope so, for the sake of the people who had to live there in those it days. Of, it actually kind of looks a bit like some of the buildings being gutted by fire or something. Yeah. Oh, an actual Felix Leiter. I like that. That's good. That <laughs> yeah. Talking to the lighter. Uh, brilliant. Um, oh, oh, I was... No, I've lost it. Sorry. Now we're back to San Monique. Baron Samady. Uh, Baron Samady. It's all about voodoo. He's half in white face. Is that slightly racist? And there's some weird Caribbean chick tied up as if she's about to be executed or something. Well, this is the, the show version for the tourists yeah and we're like oh hang on we know they really do that we saw them make that british guy faint at the beginning <laughs> faint yeah i don't know is there a snake that can bite you and you just die like he apparently does um i don't think so i think that the the black man was the deadliest snake in the world and i think that takes about 14 minutes to kill you, something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that video that was making the rounds on Facebook of uh, snake venom in blood and how it just clots the the cup of blood immediately and turns it into, like, a a solid... It's it's horrible. Oh. No, I'll, I, I'll I, find I, it. I'll find it and forward it to you. You'll oh, love great, it. great. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. That's brilliant. Oh, the but little I, funny walking man there. He's weird. Yeah. Do you know what they need to do at MI6? They need to get a very decent travel agent. Because whenever James Bond goes into a hotel room... <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's been bugged to shit and... Oh. This one has special sliding compartments behind which one can hide poisonous snakes in the bathroom. Yeah. I've never seen that as an option. On Hotels.com. Maybe I'm using the wrong websites. I swear to God, my mum and dad had that duvet cover, though. <laughs> I, oh, that yeah, I know that duvet cover. And I love this. that They've told him, your wife's already checked in. Yeah. There are women's clothes. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, and he's just having a bath. There are women's clothes in the wardrobe. 
and he's just getting on with life. Like, oh, I'm sure I'll find out who this woman is while I'm naked and in the bath. He doesn't care. I I think also with Roger, with the Roger Moore ones, the number of women got a bit over the top. Yeah. I mean, he's it's it's ramping up in this one, but by the end, he just every woman he meets, he gets off with in some way. I think by the time you get to the spy who loved me, um, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, my mum and dad so had that duvet. Ah, but that's that's a bed cover and a bed head and the curtains all match. That was a thing in the in the seventies, obviously. Everything had to match. Yeah. Still waiting. Come on, James Bond, do something interesting. I've run out He's of found time. a note. His personal, uh, like, valet service seems to be made up of bad guys. Oh, shit, I've just clicked and it's gone off. Oh, damn. About 37 minutes. Right, okay. He gets a, he gets a, a message sent to him from Solitaire via a tarot card. Oh, and he's met the alleged Mrs. Bond. Yeah. Sorry, my bit hadn't got to that bit, and now we're past it. Oh, okay. It. Sorry. Who's happy also just having a shower? I do love his outfit in this one. The nice double denim thing. He's pulling that off. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. Pulling, I would look a dick dressed like that, but he is pulling that off nicely. Double denim with a string vest. It's a good look for him. In 1973. She's just in a normal dress and must therefore be absolutely boiling because it looks hot there. And it's, it does look there. And it's quarrel. Now then, isn't this guy in some way related to the guy who dies in Doctor No? I was, I'm wondering that. He's like his son or something like that. I wish I could put subtitles on this and hear it. But there, there is a relation. Let's see. Hmm. Yeah, he's, the character is Quarrel. The same guy who dies. That's the, yeah, that's the name of the guy who dies in Doctor No. Um, hmm. I've got to say, this, this fake Mrs. Bond, she's, she's fit as anything. She's a pretty lady. I, I, yeah, I, I grant you that. Absolutely. Um, got a big wig on her, though. She has got a big wig. But hey. No, she's good looking, and and uh, I and I need to know why he's quarrel. Maybe it's a book order thing, actually. Possibly. But yeah, I didn't know. No, it can't be. Doctor No was a book before. Live and Let Die was a book. Hmm. Maybe he doesn't die in the book. No, he dies in the book. Yeah, it's quite a gruesome scene. It's much more gruesome in the book than it is in the film. Oh, no, you're right. He does, yeah. Um, I just haven't come close to reading Live and Let Maybe it's yet. just like being called John. Yeah, there's so many quarrels. Yeah, okay. I can accept that. We'll go with that. I'm distracted by Mrs. Bond in a bikini. She's so fit. Got the Brad Pitt muscle and everything. We're being really creepy on this episode, you know. It's, it's going to be worse. It's going to get worse. Oh, God. 
And we're we're not really creepy guys generally. No. That's th- this must be so what does it do to people who are generally creepy? <laughs> I don't know. It's like when you take coke but you're already a dickhead. That's what it is. <laughs> I like that. That's I like that. That's good. Yeah. Like well coke just accentuates your personality. That's fine. What if you're a dick? But, you know, it's not good. I, I want to know why this guy who's like the, he's what, the Prime Minister or Ambassador of San Monique has got Jane Seymour on his books as a tarot reader and she's just constantly reading the future for him via intercom. If he believes in it and it seems yeah, but- to be working all right for him so far, you can get a job on the British government believing this shit. So, hey. Okay. You know. We have ministers pushing to have astrology available on the NHS. Really? Yeah, that happened this week. Dear God. It was that was that was one thing that made me not want to come back from Finland even more. Uh so why the hell not do this? It's fine. And it's only San Monique. It's not like they're a nuclear power. It does annoy me that she's got playing cards with double O seven on the back of them. Tarot oh, I hadn't even noticed Sorry. that. Is that Yeah. It's the 007 logo on the back of all the cards. Wait for a close-up. Let's have a look. It's really bad. I've gone too far back now. There there are some sort of fourth wall breaks in the Roger Moore ones. There are. Annoy me. The most obvious of those that comes to mind is in Octopussy when he makes contact with his guy in India, I think, because Mm. he plays the James Bond theme on his flute in the marketplace. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't know what the James Bond theme tune is. No. He's not, it's not a piece of music he's made up for himself to hum in his head while he goes into a bank. His own a theme It's his entrance music. Yeah. So don't do that. It could have been any other piece of music in the world, and you chose the worst one. The scarecrows on this island are scary as fuck. Yeah, they really are. Don't. And how do they not notice them? Like, this way... Happy clappy. It's like, you know, don't go down the road that's dark and creepy. Go down the one that's beautifully sunlit and, you know, has happy music and rabbits yeah. and little birds. And now they're shagging in the jungle. Yeah. Because why not? Apparently. He's only on a mission. Ah, but this is where he actually becomes violent and abusive towards her. With another 007 style playing card. Yeah. Tarot card. Get it right, Rich. Um... So this is the whole, he knows she knows something. Because they've awkwardly just not mentioned why she's there for the last 24 hours. Or why she's posing as his wife. Yeah. She's not with him. She wasn't meant to arrive. Question one is, who the fuck are you? Question two is, what are you doing here? But for James Bond, it was, hey, you're pretty fit. (laughs) And that went on for at least the next 24 hours. Yeah. But she's scared of the the (coughs) scarecrow, as she should be. And that was again another thing that terrified me as a child those scarecrows on this island because everyone's got a hidden set of binoculars and a gun dark guns and they they really are creepy scarecrows they are don't go running off into the woods Mrs. Bond you're going to get shot by a scarecrow we should skip forward a bit I think we should because um, not much happens to be honest well it's just lots of chasing now and he's going to discover all the fields of drugs. 
because of course yeah. the the bad guy's plan is to crash the drug market and sell all his own drugs. But yeah, by saturating the market, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's got other drugs that people will want, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but James Bond is going to, of course, sleep with Jane Seymour, who will lose all her magical powers because sleeping with Roger Moore will do that to you. There's quite a good chase with a bus. Oh yeah, uh, this is uh, sort of the the beginning of the Roger Moore ridiculous vehicle chases yeah um chase in the bus until of course the roof comes off the bus and that is used to wipe out another bad guy car that sort of thing through this town where no one clearly gives a shit what's going on (laughs) you know there's there's lots of people there just clearly don't care if you drive a bus down the pier and escape like that that's never going to get mentioned again yeah why would it of course. And then I've just, well, I've skipped on to like, I'm sort of about a minute and three now, an hour and three. And it's another ridiculous chase where he's driving around in a plane with the wings off. Yeah. It's, it was, oh, yeah, this is another, another, uh, Roger Moore era trope of him pretending to be someone and another member of the public just goes with it. Yeah, of course. There's a woman having a flying lesson. Yeah. Are you learning to fly at the moment, by the way? No, so, I'm not. All right. I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing my uh, license for unmanned aircraft. Unmanned aircraft? Yeah, like drones. You have to have a license for a drone. Uh, or is it for a commercial drone? purposes. Right, okay. It, yeah, for commercial purposes you do. Right. I thought you were learning to fly a plane. No. Because then you're obviously sat waiting at the beginning of every lesson for Roger Moore to come running up. <laughs> and jump in. Yeah. These things never happen. I'm a st- lot of old wrecked planes get even more wrecked in this. Yeah, they do. They wreck a lot of things in this film. There's a lot of good action sequences. There is. But I'm, I'm just noticing like when they drive up the onto the wing of the plane, it's already happened a few times if you look closely where where are you in terms of time code uh 10326 oh yeah 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 it's not, not the first attempt of that stunt, no. i don't think no maybe not <clears throat> got to keep trying these things so, where are we? I mean, we might as well just at this point. He's done the mass pulley thingy off at one one hour ten. Um, but where does this actually go? Now we have the night. This what, what annoys me most about this film is that here we have the largest abundance we've seen so far of just shoot him in the head moments. Yeah. From From the get-go, really, it's full of, if you want to kill him, he's there. You've got a gun, shoot him in the head, right now. Don't take him to an island with crocodiles and give him some long speech about how they eat and all this sort of thing and then leave him on a little island. He's going to escape. Don't... Oh, just so many things. Just shoot him in the head. They have him in their possession many times throughout this film. 
but I, what I don't understand, like, and and you kind of said about this earlier, is the the main guy who pulls his nose off, right? Yeah. When you watch the film, you're like, yeah, that's the same guy, and then he pulls his nose off, and it's the same face behind it. Mm. I don't understand the difference because one is posing as the drug person, and the other one is like the PM of Sam Monique or whatever. Yeah, I I don't understand it either. Okay. All right. He, he just looks with the mask on. He just looks a bit grubbier. Yeah. Um, and does his pimp voice, whatever. Which, as we're now finding out, is just fantastically racist and prejudiced. And yeah, I'm a bad man for ever seeing it. At least we can educate the public by saying this. It's true. So yeah, so they they capture Bond and send him off to the alligator farm to be alligatorized. Instead of just shooting him in the head. And not yeah. only does he escape, but he's going to trash the entire alligator place. But this is one of my, this is one of the famous and favorite stunts, I think, from the, one of the Bond franchise, isn't it? Where yeah. he, he's stuck on the island in the middle of the lake and, and uses the alligators as stepping stones to, to get across to the, the bank. And then the last one just kind of tries to nip his ankle. I don't know how real a lot of this is. I think alarmingly so. The um, jumping but, across the alligators is real. Really, really real. Really, really real. They did it twice. The first time, one of the alligators got his leg, the stuntman's leg, and he went down. Shit. And they had, yeah. <laughs> He got, he, you know, got his leg and he went down onto the onto the bank and they were like, oh, okay, well, we can use be- the beginning of that take. So do you want to do it again? And he was like, eh, all right. not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. Wow. You see, they wouldn't do that now, but. No. I, I love that they did. That's my favorite thing about these. The Roger Moore ones in particular with some of the ridiculous stunts. I mean, the one in The Man with the Golden Gun remains my favorite all-time movie stunt with barrel rolling the car. Oh, yes. And oh, yeah, because we get introduced to another trope of the, the Moore films in, in this one, don't we, with the uh, the sheriff? Yeah. Well, what You remind me of his name? What? He is Sheriff Pepper, played by yeah. Clifton James. And he he somehow or other appears in a lot of the Roger Moore films, no matter where it takes place in the world. I, I think it's actually just the first two. And I think maybe what confuses you is that you've seen those two a lot more than any of the others. Maybe. I'm sure he turns up as a tourist at one point. He is. He, you're, no, you're absolutely right. In in The Man with the Golden Gun... Oh, that's when in, he's the tourist? Yeah, that's where he's the tourist. But he's only in two of the films? Yeah. I'm amazed by that. I I really think it's only two of the films. I'm I, gonna... I can't think of another instance. Um, but yeah, that's he's only in two of them. But it, it is another stupid comedy character. They're clearly trying to make this film a lot more light-hearted uh, than any of the Roger Moore, any of the Sean Connery films. There's yeah. a, there's a completely different energy to it. Yeah, um, it's 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 becoming more fun. Rather than more action. Well, more action and fun, I should say, rather than more action and drama. Is that fair? Yeah. 
and I, I kind of think with with uh, with some of the Sean Connery ones where there were while there were extended action sequences that they, they weren't as extended as some of these they weren't as far fetched as a lot of these um you know and there certainly weren't any real how do you know what I, as i'm saying there weren't any stupid ones i'm remembering the moon buggy and diamonds are forever yeah i mean but that was towards the end of the the connery reign wasn't it and it got ridiculous yeah but you know this it was almost like how far can we push the audience exactly and and they kind of felt i think they felt the need to just get bigger and bigger and that's how you end up with james bond in space (laughs) you know we're setting off down a slippery slope here with this i've got to got to say this speedboat chase though oh it's very good it's so good yeah it's very good there's some spectacular stunts when they go over over land with the boats yeah and back into the water yeah and you see in the documentary of them we're just gonna have to do this till it happens yeah and there's just shot after shot of the guy piling off out the river and hitting a tree yeah and he did that all day such is the life of a stuntman um and it's it's well worth watching there are no stupid computer effects in this just people in boats crashing them into trees it's great fun um i'm gonna skip to the end oh no i'm skipping and he's still in a speedboat chase (laughs) this goes on it does it goes on for ages a good 10 15 minutes this this is a huge sequence I wonder if it was just relatively cheap to make. Maybe. Um, you've got the river. You've got the boats. Just you've got some terrible rear projection as well. Yeah. With uh, uh sorry, when once we get out of that and back onto nighttime, Sam Monique, with uh, Bond, Felix, and and uh, someone else in the boat. At one one thirty six fifty. Hang on, mine's crashed again. This is not the best interface. Come on, thingy. There we go. Oh, it's another voodoo party. It is. And uh, they're going to infiltrate it in what's definitely the middle of the day. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not good there, is it? Um... Skipping to him sort of fighting everybody. Oh, he's got he's rescuing Jane Seymour, of course, because she's going course, to be yeah. Snake Lady. Um Yeah, I'm I'm seeing a lot of things in this that formed early sexual thoughts in my young mind. <laughs> what, the coffin full of snakes? Yeah, that's the bit. Yeah. Yeah. Thought so. Yeah. Um I Yavikotto suffers from classic Bond bad guy syndrome. You've got him now. You've tied him up. Shoot him in the head. Stab him. Set him on fire. There's yeah. so many things you could do to kill James Bond now that would just have it over and done with. But no. We're going to lower you into this pool where the sharks are. Yes. For fuck's sake. It, just, it infuriates me. And it kind of bugs me now. A lot. The the older I get and the less tolerable I get of yeah. these things, it does bug me a bit. And I think if I was coming to these films new, I wouldn't like them. 
particularly the, the these so the the next stretch of five or six. I, I don't think I'd like them if I came to them new. It's it's very like we've already had bad guy with sharks, haven't we? Mm. Thunderball. Yeah. And I don't think this is the last time we see it. Nope. Is it? Not at all. No. I mean, the the guy who plays Felix Leiter in this film, who was the only guy who got to play him again, mm. uh, where are we, David Hedison, um, is, of course, famously eaten half by sharks at the beginning of License to Kill. Oh, yes. He disagreed with something that ate him. <laughs> and so, got the shit I remember, I know. Um, so and then we have... He's going to use his chainsaw watch to escape. Yeah, but but he also it's more of a circular saw than a chainsaw. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right, and a super strong magnet. So he's captured the inflating bullet thing yeah. with that, and now he's going to use his circular saw watch to, you know, if if Apple want to give me a feature that will sell me a watch, right? You know, circular saw on there. Just a suggestion. Well, I can see you losing the back of your hand on that quite often. Yeah, yeah, that would be bad. Um, maybe just for secret agents, but just shoot him in the head. You don't need to do the shark thing. It's all stupid because he's going to escape and he's going to get you and inflate you and you'll explode. So I, I don't know. I feel down on this now. I do enjoy this one. You're absolutely right. And it's got a cool theme tune. It has. And then we, then the very last scene is on a train, uh, with Bond and Jane Seymour and they reenact the train fight with was it from Russia with love? Yeah. There's another another fight on a train with where the woman hasn't got a clue what's going on. It is basically the same scene, isn't it? Really? Um, yeah. Because and this this really adds to the one you know that at the end of every mission he's just going to go on holiday and shag the girl. Yeah. Like that's part of it. Like, of course, that's what he's done. You kind of wonder why they it's ever questioned as to where he might be at the end of a mission. You know, he's somewhere keeping the British end up. <laughs> I don't think he has a funny line at the end of this one, actually. They hadn't been invented yet. But poor old Jane Seymour gets trapped in the bed. Yeah. What I like uh, about the end of credits of this film is that the first people credited are it, all the product placement people. Chevrolet, Harley Davidson, Budget Rent a Car, Panasonic, Pan Am, and Rolex. Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah, they get Crazy. a lot of. They, I, I wonder how the Bond films fit in to merchandising within films. Sorry, no product placement. It doesn't matter in film, as long as it's, it's stated at the end that yeah. there's product placement. It's fine. You can do what you want. Well, yeah, but somebody had to be the first one to decide to do that. Yeah, I guess. And I, I, you know, there was a point where it didn't happen and a point where it did. And I I just wonder what part the Bond films played in that happening. Because I I think what's what's rather unique about the Bond films in that aspect is that you have a long-running character who is in some way meant to be aspirational. You want to be cool like James Bond. Oh, I'll tell you what, there's no... um, Sorry, there's no Aston Martin in this film, is there? No, there's no car at all. That never occurred to me at all. Of course, there's, he has no car in this film. Hey. Roger Moore's Bond cars don't tend to go that well. No. 
I mean, there's I, the famous. I wonder if he couldn't drive or something. Yeah, I mean, there's the famous Lotus. Oh yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, that's 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 kind of a good one. But other than that, I think he, uh, as a James Bond, tends to just get his hands on whatever is nearby, like the the two CV chase and and the bus and the, the bus that kind of thing. The, yeah, yeah. And of course, the the car that falls apart in View to a Kill. God, you're absolutely yeah. right. Look at <laughs> yeah. all those commercial considerations at the end there, and the burning skull. It's quite dark. It, is. it really is. It upsets me. I mean, this is a, this is a fun film. I like this film. Um, and as I say, it's probably the one I've seen the most, or or the one I remember the most, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, certainly not to be missed. Part of the the series, without a doubt, it's it's uh, if not the best Roger Moore one, no. definitely in the top two. Yeah, I'm having because no, I think the best one is the next one. You like the man with the golden gun? I love the man with the golden gun. It is a good one, isn't it? You've got Christopher Lee as the bad guy, who at the time should just have been the bad guy whenever a bad guy was needed. Yeah, absolutely. And and you've got Nick Knack. You have. You've got James uh, Britt Eklund. Yeah. I might have said this before, but that was the one where you just I wouldn't have attempted to do the mission. It'd just be, oh, you're you're here and you really fancy me, Britt Eklund. Well, that's that's assorted for the next fortnight then, isn't it? <laughs> I'll get back to this golden gun shit later. Um, it's yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. But I I enjoyed. The, I I th- I would give Live and Let Die. That's a four out of five Bond film. I think. Yeah, I I yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, we didn't really touch much on the plot. <laughs> There's not much of a plot. But there isn't much of a plot, exactly. So, I mean, we, th- this again is where we actually get into a, a period of the films where I'm actually a little bit sketchy on what the plot of some of them is. Yeah. You, you just get, here is bad guy, here is James Bond. James Bond will kill bad guy by end of film. Job done. Yeah. The, the reason why is, is totally irrelevant totally irrelevant it it doesn't matter what the the thing is they're trying to do there'll be a couple of instances with chasers there'll be a couple of good-looking girls and at the end he'll kill the bad guy we're into classic james bond formula at this point yeah that you know just and I, do, I do enjoy and, this i do enjoy this era but there are some shocking films in it but i do enjoy the era of the the formula it is a very different era. It just becomes completely clear that these are not the James Bond films you've been used to. And each, you know, it kind of is the signaling that there will be eras of James Bond films as well, because you've got your first proper new James Bond. I can't count George Lazenby. <laughs> I have real trouble with that. That's fair enough. Um, even though I still think it's not a terrible one. It's certainly no Moonraker. Um, no. Dear God, no. You, I'm going to pull that to pieces. Honestly. You can't not. It doesn't... It's not a I think working It's going to be a long show, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a working film. It, it's broken. Uh, so things need to be done with it. Um, yeah, this is a four out of five one. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's... We've exhausted Live and Let Die. And uh, I feel pretty good about that. 
Yeah, I, I do too. 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, this feels a little low, but okay. I think, yeah, okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that, and I'm sure you all have lots of things that you were shouting out as we did it. Um, I did, but hey, you heard them. That's what the show is. So, uh, next time, The Man with the Golden Gun. I'm looking forward to it. Catch you later. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.